Here's something interesting. Now that we've had some time to process and reflect on the violence recently in El Paso and Dayton, what can our politically divided nation do to address a frightening and increasingly common issue? Hi there, I'm Chris Oaks. Welcome to the Here's Something Interesting podcast, where we talk to interesting people with interesting things to say about interesting subjects. It's been a couple of weeks now since the terrible violence in El Paso and Dayton, and now that we've had a little bit of time to process and reflect on those events, and after the politicians and pundits have all had their say, comes the time to begin having a rational and reasoned discussion about what should be done to address the growing problem of this senseless violence and what can be done in a politically divided nation. We are joined this morning by retired Lieutenant Commander of the Office of Naval Intelligence and member of the FBI, former member of the FBI National Joint Terrorism Task Force, Stephen Rogers. He happens to be a top advisor to the Trump 2020 re-election campaign. And Stephen, the statistic has been repeated often over the past week or two that domestic terrorism is now a greater threat than international terrorism. Do you agree with that assessment? And is it right to label the attacks in El Paso and Dayton as incidents of domestic terrorism? Well, here's my take on it. I disagree that it is a greater threat. What is a greater threat is the uh, lone wolves. Now, not every lone wolf is uh, connected to a domestic terrorist organization. Uh, You could be a lone wolf who's radicalized uh, on the Internet, and we have found that in most of these incidents, and they go out and they commit these horrendous, uh, uh, atrocious crimes. Now, uh, you know, the argument is, how do we solve the problems? I'm glad you opened up with that by saying, where where do we go from here? Right. And uh, through all the rhetoric and all that uh, we hear from uh, the left in particularly, we have to come up with uh, common ground. And the president has articulated for a long time, which has not been, by the way, talked about on mainstream media, some of the solutions. Number one, we need to increase our capabilities of gathering intelligence information on the ground, meaning uh, in uh, uh, local municipalities and uh, in particularly our cities. How do you do that? Well, he's talked about for many, many months the uh, uh, enhancement of community policing methodologies. Mm-hmm. You need cops out on the street walking the beat again. Why? Uh, when I walked the beat in my community, I knew everything that was going on right. in the, on the streets that I was walking. So there's some intelligence and gathering apparatus, information gathering apparatus, that uh, is very, very important. So think about that. The cop on the street, he knows the who, what, when, where uh, in his neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason I, I bring it up and, and frame it in that uh, question of domestic terror, uh, over the weekend, uh, Senator Cory Booker, who, of course, uh, is uh, vying for the Democratic presidential nomination, pointed out on uh, ABC's This Week that post 9-11, there was this huge mobilization of federal resources and revenue to combat international terrorism. And he says that it is now time to do the same to address domestic terror would you agree with that assessment because uh, again just the the example that you cited you're not going to be able to return police to the neighborhood patrol without a huge uh, influx of of resources and revenue to help uh, departments do that well let's think about this for a minute chicago what is it what's going on there there's terrorism every week there uh, I mean, we're not talking uh, uh, three or four people shot a day. We're talking about hundreds and hundreds a month. I'm sorry, a year being killed in Chicago. Is that Are those just uh, uh, classified as criminal activity by gangs on the street, or is that domestic terrorism? 
President Trump has committed and offered resources to the city of Chicago to help combat that. They simply don't want it. Uh, the president has committed, for example, uh, to bringing back to the police. If you remember, uh, Barack Obama removed from the police the tactical equipment that they needed to address uh, ongoing active shooters. Took that equipment away. President Trump he gave it right back. Uh, and we saw a lot of that, by the way, the, uh, unfortunately, over the past couple of incidents that all of us uh, saw on TV. Uh, yeah, there has to be resources committed. The president has committed a lot of resources to the FBI, to uh, Homeland Security, and it's all there. It's all there for these cities to uh, take uh, if they request it, but they decide not to. And when I say they, I'm talking about the Democrat-run cities. Uh, keep in mind, they are trying to change this narrative from uh, uh, finding solutions to, to only one solution in their mind, and that's gun control. And that's so uh, uh, erroneous Gun control is not going to solve this problem. With, so the resources are there. The president's ready to commit it to them. With respect to that, though, the president did uh, roll back restrictions that were aimed at keeping guns out of the hands of those with mental health issues. Was that, in retrospect, a mistake? No, not at all, because we're already doing that. Uh, what, you do it, what he is talking about is uh, enhancing uh, mental background checks. So I'll give you an example. Uh, when we, when I, I, I have weapons, so when I went to apply for my uh, weapons, I went through a mental health background check, as everyone does. Now, how does, uh, how does uh, a person who's mentally ill get a weapon? Well, they lie on their applications. There's not necessarily an enhanced background check. Uh, think about what happened in Dayton. Here, this guy, this killer, this murderer, uh, actually had a hit list when he was in high school. Mm-hmm. Well, what happened to that? Uh, so the, the president is talking about the mechanisms we have in place. We need to strengthen, we need to enhance, and we need to. And this is something critically important that I know hasn't happened for a long time. The information sharing, very important. Local mm-hmm. police have to know. They need to know what the FBI has uh, and vice versa. And a lot of that is not happening. So he's talking about strengthening the information sharing. Indeed, the past week, uh, the president went on record as supporting what he called meaningful background checks, although he did not uh, specify exactly what that meant in his mind, but he did use the term meaningful background checks and so, uh, so-called so uh, red flag laws. But uh, there were a lot of uh, folks who were looking at that and said, we've heard similar things in the past. What is different now from the previous times he has said those things and then backed away from them later on? Well, I think what's different now is that uh, the people, or, or let's put it this way, the people are going to put a lot of pressure on the United States Congress to get something done. Mm-hmm. Look, the red flag was very controversial. Uh, there's a lot of misinformation out there. Uh, I happen to support uh, red flag laws so long as there's due process, and there's the key. Uh, I don't expect the police and would never support anything where the police could go into somebody's house and take their weapons on the whim of a neighbor or someone saying, I feel threatened. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have to have due process uh, because if we don't have due process, then we have what the NRA has been saying is uh, illegal confiscation of weapons, which is in violation of the Second Amendment. So, so he's talking about due process. He's talking about uh, coming together, and that's what's important. He's laid it out. He has told Congress, look, we need to come together and work together on reasonable, and there's the key word, reasonable regulations. And what's reasonable? Enhanced background checks. What's reasonable? 
yet red flag laws that have due process. And I've talked to gun owners, and they're for it. Now, you'll hear people who are upset over the red flag laws. They think it's the beginning of the end of the Second Amendment. Mm -hmm. That's not true. Look, the Second Amendment is not negotiable. Uh, So we have to be reasonable. When when we talk about those uh, background uh, checks and meaningful background checks and enhanced background checks, does that include closing the gun show loophole? Well, you know, it's a good question. I don't, I, I don't have an answer to that. Uh, there's a loophole there. Uh, the the uh, because I remember to look at because what the I problem re- is because I remember uh, back when that uh, the background check law was initially passed, and the only reason why background checks weren't put in place for gun show sales was because the technology did not exist at the time to conduct background checks at gun shows, and we certainly have that technology now. Yeah, there's no reason why. Uh, with the data banks we have and the technology we have, that there could be uh, uh, an enhanced background check. So I, I think that, that, that's why I said I don't. I didn't know at this point. I don't know if the technology is available. The question is, do the gun show owners have that technology? And they well, may be required to have it before they sell any weapons. I, I, you can you can certainly you can use your your credit card to buy just about anything at a uh, at a trade show or at a craft show or anything uh, anywhere. You would think that the uh, technology would be uh, available on mobile devices or could be made available on mobile devices. It is certainly an interesting conversation to see where that goes. I also want to touch on this, uh, and this is maybe the the most emotional part of. Uh, the conversation over the past week, there have been calls actually from both sides for the president to tone down or at least be more careful with his rhetoric. And I'm not interested in getting into a debate over whether the president's language has provoked or incited violence, because I think I, I actually think that that misses the point. There's been a lot of conversation, but the reality is that perception is reality. And as long as there are people who believe that that is the case, isn't it prudent for advisors such as yourself to remind the president that uh, the the way some of his strongest rhetoric may be perceived could be problematic, particularly by swing voters that he is still going to need in 2020? Well, I, I, I hear what you're saying, but the fact of the matter is, is that uh, he is actually articulating what most people want to say. You know, he's, he's, a, he's a fellow that says it like it is, and uh, I, I can tell you the overwhelming number of people that at least I've spoken to said, look, we finally got someone out there speaking our language. But, but to your point also, you know, the left cries about this, but when you get a congressman that puts out a list of individuals that donated to the uh, president's campaign, where in my view, basically uh, uh, puts a target on their back, so it works both ways. They could cry all they want about the president, but the left needs to understand that there are people in this country quite upset over what they're doing, and uh, it works both ways. So that, I think the president is the president. Uh, we're, we're used to him, but what he's saying is what on every what is on a lot of people's minds, and they'd love to say what he's saying. So you don't necessarily believe that it could end up being a problem when it comes re-election time. I would share this with you, uh, based on what I'm hearing and seeing. I'm seeing a, a, a rerun of 2016. People are not saying much uh, loudly, but in 2020, this president's going to win by a landslide. People in this country are fed up with politics as usual. Congress has done nothing. When you think about it, what have they done to govern lately? All they're talking about is impeachment. The president of the United States has governed. Our taxes have been cut. The economy is strong, military strong. I could go on and on about his accomplishments. But basically, people are fed up with politics as usual. We have a president who's broken that glass. 
and he's going to win by a landslide. We will leave it there for now. Again, uh, Stephen Rogers, top advisor for the uh, Trump 2020 reelection campaign with us this morning, talking about the uh, violence that we have seen last weekend and the debate that has ensued. Steve, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. And if you find this topic interesting, we can discuss it more on the Here's Something Interesting Facebook page at Something Interesting Podcast. Hope to meet up with you there. I'm Chris Oaks, and if you enjoy the Here's Something Interesting podcast, remember you can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google, and Spotify. I invite you to also like our Facebook page, and please share it with your friends that might find this stuff interesting as well. Thanks for listening.